today. You get it, student debt, healthcare for all. I don't really care at all if you think that some socialists all crap. We need him to succeed. No Hitler's up our sleeve. I'd like to see society remain intact and thrive instead of building walls or lies or clawing to survive. Together we can rock the vote. Remember when you choose your support and And that was Vote Bernie, which you can find on YouTube by searching for Occupy Bernie. And if you want to follow that artist on Twitter, you can follow at YukGalBurn on Twitter. Greetings and welcome back to Bernie 2016. This is an independent podcast established to follow and comment on Bernie Sanders' candidacy for President of the United States. This podcast is completely independent of any candidate, party, or PAC. If you want to reach out to me, you can send me a message at BernieUS2016 at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at BernieUS2016. You can find out more at Bernie-2016.com. On that site, you'll find several different links to some key sites related to Bernie. You will find all the back episodes of this podcast. And you'll find a link to my Patreon page if you want to send a couple dollars my way. You can go to Bernie-2016.com and follow that link. Or go directly to Patreon.com slash Unrelated Things. Thanks for listening. First up on this episode is a story from businessinsider.com by Maxwell Tanney. Senator Bernie Sanders appears to be closing in on Hillary Clinton in California, which holds the last major battle of the presidential primaries early next month. Early next month has come. Early next month, in this case, is tomorrow. A new Public Policy Institute survey of California released on Thursday found Sanders within two points of the former Secretary of State, who garnered 46% support among likely Democratic primary voters. As in other contests, Clinton will likely Clinton a Clinton win will likely depend on her strength among older voters and minorities. Sanders held leads among younger voters and more liberal voters by wide margins, but Clinton had a 10-point lead among Latino voters who make up a larger share of the electorate in California than in most other states. Bernie Sanders has challenged Clinton and the presumptive Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump to a debate in the state before the June 7th primary. This is a debate that, that Hillary Clinton agreed to way back when. I can't remember what contest they were going into, but uh, Hillary was desperate for an additional debate. And Bernie Sanders, this may have been way back in New Hampshire when... Hillary Clinton was trailing in the polls by a big margin and there was not a, another poll or not, sorry, not another debate scheduled. And she challenged Bernie to a debate. She said, I want to debate before the New Hampshire primary. And he said, sure thing. As long as we add three more debates, one in New York, one in, I forget where the second one was and one in California. I think the second one was in Flint, Michigan. 
Uh, and Hillary Clinton said, yes, I will do that. So Bernie Sanders joined that debate in New Hampshire and Hillary Clinton debated Bernie Sanders in Flint, Michigan, and again in New York. But lo and behold, come California, and Hillary Clinton is well ahead in the pledge delegate count, uh, possibly out of reach, though maybe not mathematically out of reach yet, but pretty darn close. And she said, well, you know, never mind. I don't want to debate you again in California. That will give you a platform to to uh, express your ideas to the public. Who would want that? Who would want the public to hear what the candidate's ideas are and to have them debate those ideas and uh, help them make their decision about who to vote for? Hillary didn't want that because she's afraid that more people, the more they hear Bernie Sanders will decide that he is the one that has the ideas that uh, they support and they would prefer to vote for him. So she said, no, thank you. So then uh, kind of on a whim, as it seems like most of his candidacy has been, Donald Trump said, I'll debate Bernie Sanders in California and uh, not Unsurprisingly, as Bernie Sanders had uh, called for or expressed his willingness to debate Donald Trump earlier in the campaign, uh, Bernie Sanders said, sure thing, let's do it. And uh, then Trump put on some conditions. They needed to raise a certain amount of money that would go to charity. Great. And then uh, more than one um, news outlet or organization said, we will pay, we'll pay for that. We will donate that money to have that debate happen. And Bernie said, let's do it. And Trump said, no, sorry, only kidding. And, uh, he chickened out. So no debate before the California primary as promised by Hillary and then as uh, faked, head faked by Donald Trump. Maybe that's a hair fake. I'm not sure exactly how that works in his case. Um, but here we are, the eve of the California primary, uh, the last major voting day of these, this primary season. I think there is, as far as I know, one more contest after uh, June 7th, which is tomorrow. Uh, I think Washington, D.C. votes on June 14th, and then all will be done. Uh, California is not the only state that votes tomorrow, but it's the only state that people seem to care a whole lot about. Uh, the only other state that's talked about um, with any semi-regularity is New Jersey. New Jersey is my current home state. And it is where I will be casting my vote for Bernie Sanders tomorrow. Um, New Jersey does have a whole lot of delegates on the line, but is widely expected to go in Hillary Clinton's favor by a, a fairly significant margin. Um, you know, not to not to denigrate any of the hard work that everybody that supports Bernie Sanders here in New Jersey has uh, put forward. But I, I personally, in my little corner of the state, haven't seen a whole lot of action around the Bernie Sanders campaign. And that's partly my own fault. I can't 
shouldn't be waiting for some action to uh, come about uh, for Bernie Sanders. I should be taking that action. And that's what I hope this podcast does and is, is reaching out to a lot of people out there. But uh, I probably passed up some opportunities to try to stir things up locally. Uh, So shame on me for that. In any case, uh, New Jersey and California, but that's not all. And I am woefully unprepared to list them all. North and South Dakota also will vote tomorrow. And apologies for you remaining one or two states that also go to the polls tomorrow. I don't have that list in front of me. I should. Everybody that has the opportunity to vote tomorrow and has the opportunity to vote for Bernie Sanders tomorrow needs to get out and do so. You will have an impact. Every single vote counts. In, uh, I believe it was the state of Oregon, Bernie Sanders won every single county in the state except for one. And that one county that Hillary Clinton won, she won by one vote. I believe it was 101 votes for Hillary to 100 votes for Bernie. Uh, in Massachusetts, which Hillary Clinton won by, I think, 1.2% of the vote, uh, there's a town nearby the town that I grew up in, the town of Methuen, Massachusetts, was tied in the end of the uh, vote tallies there. So your vote matters. Your vote counts. You can tip the scales in the favor of Bernie Sanders by getting out there and exercising that vote. So let's go have a, a big final push for Bernie Sanders. Give him some momentum to get some of his ideas into that Democratic Party platform to turn his presidential campaign into the political revolution to really keep some momentum up with the groundswell of support that he has developed. And this next story is also on California. This is from theguardian.com. And this is by Mona Chalabi. A new poll from the Los Angeles Times, USC Dornsife, suggests that the pivotal state of California might be a tighter contest between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders than previously thought. A survey of 1,500 registered voters found that 44% of Democrats said they would support Sanders and 43% said they would back Clinton in the state's primary. At first glance, the results seem to be hugely significant. With 546 Democratic delegates available, California is the single most influential state this primary season, and pretty much every primary season since the population there is so large. Sanders needs 837 extra delegates to become the Democratic nominee, and he's going going to need to count on Democratic Californians' support. So, uh, 
the earlier poll showed Hillary up by 2%. And I think there were a couple polls that showed her up by 2%. There was one recent poll that showed her up by 10% in California. But this poll sh- showed Bernie Sanders up by 1% in California. And all those 1%, 2% polls, those are all within the margins of error for those particular polls. So they are a statistical tie as far as that particular poll goes. Next up, a story from Eric Mann from counterpunch.org. The California Democratic primary is Tuesday, June 7th. Whatever the movement means to you, if you care about human decency and international human rights, we need a Sanders victory and a Clinton repudiation in California on June 7 and beyond. It is my view that the Israeli government with the active support and military aid of the U.S. government, is committing human rights abuses and genocide against the Palestinian people. I believe that Hillary Clinton is aggressively, willfully, and consciously aiding and abetting that genocide and must be defeated in California and at the Democratic Convention. I admire and support Senator Sanders for his courageous challenge to the American-Israeli Political Action Committee his support for human rights and fair treatment for the Palestinian people, and his open challenge to Hillary Clinton on Israel and Palestine. I do not expect him to share all of my views, but I do wish him well and will work for his victory. When I first began this article, I planned to write an article with the above title, and that above title, which I skipped, was four reasons we needed Sanders' victory in a Clinton defeat in California. One, Bernie Sanders is courageously defending Palestinian human rights and standing up to the powerful Israeli lobby, while Hillary Clinton is defending the Israeli occupation of Palestine, slandering the integrity of the Palestinian people, and calling for repression against the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Two, Sanders, despite weakness in consciousness and content on civil rights and black liberation, has gained the support of progressive and radical black organizers, intellectuals, and artists, including Cornel West, Spike Lee, Erica Garner, Eric Garner's daughter, whose video in support of Bernie Sanders is one of the most moving civil rights arguments today. By contrast, Hillary and Bill Clinton and the Democratic Party establishment are super predators against the black community and the black nation and have a long conscious history of encouraging mass incarceration. Number three, Sanders is challenging the ideology of the U.S. as a center of counterinsurgency against third world countries in Iraq and Libya, while Clinton has a long history as a super hawk to the right of even President Obama. And four, the Sanders campaign is refusing to capitulate to the Clinton machine and Democratic Party establishment and plans to bring a real political struggle into the Democratic Convention in Philadelphia. He also has a real chance to win, and if not, to keep the pressure on Clinton and force substantial and enforceable concessions. But in my work preparing for this article and reading and rereading the speeches and public statements of Sanders and Clinton, on Palestine, Israel, and the Middle East. I was so appreciative of Sanders' courageous stand on Palestine and so terrorized by Hillary Clinton's bellicose, racist, white settler state rants that I wanted to make the focus of this article the life and death struggle of the Palestinian people 
and the great opportunity to elect Sanders and defeat Hillary Clinton. I will defer the other three arguments to a future follow-up. I have to assume that many of you are already heartbroken and outraged by the Israeli occupation of Palestine and its subjugation of Palestinian people. Since the formation of the Israeli state in 1948 and the Nakba, the expulsion of an estimated 700,000 Palestinians, there has not been a two-state solution, but an Israeli occupation and subjugation of the Palestinian people. Bernie Sanders has stood up to the American Israel Political Action Committee, affirmed the humanity of the Palestinians, and stood up to the threats of the pro-Israeli lobby and the blacklist of any candidate who challenges the criminal occupation of Palestine. By contrast, you have to listen to Hillary Clinton's demagogic and racist speech to AIPAC, where she raised her voice to a false crescendo, compared herself to Golda Meir, did character assassination of the Palestinian people, attacked the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, promised even more military aid to Israel, and promised that the U.S. and Israel would march hand-in-hand into the Promised Land with a military cadence that would make a Prussian marching band proud. I have made my assertions clear. I will quote in considerable detail below statements from the speech Bernie Sanders proposed to deliver to AIPAC and Hillary Clinton's speech to AIPAC. Then you will make up your own mind. And I'm going to jump down to those quotes there is a there is quite a lot more in this particular article than i'm sharing with you over the last years people are standing up to apac just not until sanders in a presidential election contest these new developments have been encouraged by an international movement to challenge and change israeli policy the boycott divestment and sanctions movement initiated in 2005 from appeals from the Palestinian people. Its organizers explain, quote, On July 9, 2005, a year after the International Court of Justice's historic advisory opinion on the illegality of Israel's wall in the occupied Palestinian territories, a clear majority of Palestinian civil society called upon their counterparts and people of conscience conscience all over the world to launch broad boycotts, implement divestment initiatives, and to demand sanctions against Israel until Palestinian rights are recognized in full compliance with international law. The campaign for the boycotts, divestment, and sanctions is shaped by a rights-based approach and highlights the three broad sections of the Palestinian people. The refugees, those under military occupation in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, and Palestinians in Israel. The call urges various forms of boycott against Israel until it meets its obligations under international law by 1. Ending its occupation and colonization of all Arab lands occupied in June 1967 and dismantling the wall. 2. Recognizing the fundamental rights of Arab-Palestinian citizens of Israel to full equality 
and three, respecting, protecting, and promoting the rights of Palestinian refugees to return to their homes and properties, as stipulated in UN Resolution 194. The BDS call was endorsed by over 170 Palestinian political parties, organizations, trade unions, and movements. The signatories represent the refugees, Palestinians in the OPT, and Palestinian citizens of Israel. In the New York Democratic primary, Bernie Sanders, a Jew, one who had lived in a kibbutz in Israel, stood up to AIPAC, stood up to the Israeli government, stood up to reactionary forces in the Jewish community, humanized the Palestinians, chastised Israel for its abuses, and did so with no clear electoral calculation. By contrast, Hillary Clinton allied, allied with the most reactionary forces in the U.S. and Israel, demonized the Palestinians, justified Israel's attacks on civilians as self-defense against terrorists, compared herself to Golda Meir, and attacked Sanders for, quote, neutrality and lack of support for Israel. And yet, under these circumstances, Sanders did great in New York. Hillary Clinton, who had been a two-term senator from New York, got 58% of the vote, while Sanders won a very impressive 42% of the vote and 44% of the delegates. And here's a segment of Bernie Sanders' comments on Israel and the... Palestinian oppression. Quote, to be successful, we have to be a friend not only to Israel, but to the Palestinian people, where in Gaza, they suffer from an unemployment rate of 44%, the highest in the world, and a poverty rate nearly equal to that. There is too much suffering in Gaza to be ignored. The road towards peace will be difficult. We all know that. I cannot tell you exactly how it will look. I do not believe anyone can, but I believe firmly that the only prospect for peace is a successful negotiation of a two-state solution. Peace will mean ending what amounts to the occupation of Palestinian territory, establishing mutually agreed upon borders and pulling back settlements in the West Bank just as Israel did in Gaza, once considered an unthinkable move on Israel's part. That's why I joined much of the international community, including the U.S. State Department and European Union, in voicing my concern that Israel's recent expropriation of an additional 579 acres of land in the West Bank undermines the peace process and, ultimately, Israeli security as well. It is absurd for elements within the Netanyahu government to suggest that building more settlements in the West Bank is the appropriate response to the most recent violence. It is also not acceptable that the Netanyahu government decided to withhold hundreds of millions of shekels in tax revenue from the Palestinians, which is, it is supposed to collect on their behalf. The... Israel-Palestine occupation, or the occupation of Palestine by Israel, 
is one of the last great oppressions in our modern world. And uh, that doesn't mean to belittle any others. There are certainly many places around the globe where people are oppressed. But this is state oppression. And this is not just state oppression. This is U.S. supported and U.S. sponsored state oppression. The amount of support and military uh, aid that we give to Israel who oppresses so many people is absurd for a country that acts as if it believes in human rights when clearly its actions are otherwise. If you're as old as me, you will remember in the 80s You'll remember South Africa in the 80s. You'll remember apartheid. And if you're not as old as me, you should take a look at that history. In my mind, that history has too many parallels with the history in Israel since 1948, where one ethnic group subjugates another ethnic group within its borders and oppresses them as a matter of policy, as a matter of, you know, state decisions, decision-making. And in that light, you may understand the... BDS, Boycott, Divest, Sanctions, Movement Against Israel, uh, for what it is. It's, it's an attack on a government that is, in part, uh, oppressing a major segment of its population within its borders and in territory it illegally occupies. We were very fortunate in South Africa that the pressure from the sanctions movement on South Africa was enough support for the majority of South Africans to rise up bloodlessly. Well, not maybe not entirely bloodlessly, but in the light of the conditions there and what could have been remarkably bloodlessly. Nelson Mandela, the prisoner, was set free. He became the president. He became a beacon of peace and reconciliation for the world. And so here we are. So Bernie Sanders is <clears throat> the only presidential candidate that has gotten any significant airtime and significant support that has called for the equal treatment 
and not even the equal treatment. Bernie Sanders is not anti-Israel. Bernie Sanders supports a strong Israel. Bernie Sanders just understands that the conditions there will not change if we do not treat the Palestinian people as a partner in the process and we continue to treat them as, you know, a refugee and what many would look to or look at as a terrorist people, which is absurd. So Bernie Sanders is definitely by far the best major candidate uh, on the Israel-Palestine situation. And that doesn't mean he's the only candidate that has a good uh, policy or good policies towards the Middle East. There are many, many third parties and how can, you know, which is kind of ironic. There's a large number of third parties uh, in the United States when people say, oh, you know, we should have a third party. Well, there's probably hundreds of them. Uh, a few of them have a little bit of power and a little bit of name recognition uh, and have some decent policies regarding Israel and the occupation of Palestine. So moving on, another story from theguardian.com. And this is by Anoa Changa. If you thought one Bernie Sanders was good, how about 100 of him? As we approach the end of the current primary election cycle, many people are asking, what is next for the Sanders progressive revolution? The movement that has grown around Senator Bernie Sanders' presidential bid does not live or die by the success of his presidential campaign. Rather, it is part of a long history of progressive struggle and engagement across the country, and one that is only grow, going to grow stronger. There are many candidates out there who stand for the same things as Bernie Sanders. I'm thinking of people like Zephyr Teachout and candidates such as Pramila Jayapal, Lucy Flores, Tim Canova, and many more who have shown that they can stay true to their progressive platform and their core beliefs and yet remain competitive. These candidates reject the corrupt campaign finance system and have opted for funding grounded in small donations. Like Sanders, they support policies such as raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, social security expansion, and free college for all. That's why it's important to think beyond the presidential election. Progressives have a fierce fight on our hands in the 2016 and beyond. Republican donors like Art Pope, an ally of the Koch brothers, have pledged to invest millions into down-ballot races instead of funding Donald Trump. We, like them, should have an eye to changing more than just the White House. We must change Congress and every other level of government, right down to the grassroots. So will progressives be able to harness the energy and momentum of the Sanders movement to bring candidates to power across the country, candidates who stand for the same things he does? 
I'm part of an initiative called Brand New Congress. Many of us are former Sanders campaign staffers who are hoping to help elect Bernie Sanders-like candidates in at least 100 different districts in the next two years. With our eye on the midterm election cycle in 2018, Brand New Congress is engaging with people across the congressional districts to identify potential candidates. We launched with the express purpose of building on the Sanders platform and securing meaningful representation in Congress. The aim is to run one campaign for hundreds of candidates. Instead of running the races separately, we'll be centralizing fundraising, awareness raising, and organizing for campaigns across the country. Our unified process will level the playing field and thus permit new leaders to rise up from the ranks of our working and middle class. No longer will capable and competent individuals be told to wait on the sidelines because they don't have big money donors behind them. We seek to provide the infrastructure and strategic expertise to a new cadre of candidates across the country. This is a watershed moment for progressives from state and local elections to congressional races. There are politicians and grassroots volunteers moving the needle on progressive action in this country. By empowering people to take part in the political process via their voices and their votes, we have the beginnings of a change in the game. We need an honest and accountable Congress, one that is not swayed by the allure of wealthy donors, by building a network of campaigns to run simultaneously against business as usual. We have a chance at a turning the tide in the 2008 midterm elections and beyond. The revolution is here, and it's here to stay. And from IVN.US, the Independent Voter Project, by Sean M. Griffiths. Secretary of State Alex Padilla announced Tuesday that nearly 200,000 California citizens registered to vote or updated their, their information at registertovote.ca.gov on Monday, May 23 the final day to register for the June 7 primary elections. According to the Secretary of State, total voter registration is now over 1.8 million. Quote, Yesterday we saw the most online registration activity this year and the second highest total in the nearly four-year history of the online registration site. Young voters in particular are showing elevated interest in voting in the 2016 elections. According to Padilla's office, 42% of the online registration activity on Monday came from Californians aged 17 to 25. The large surge in online voter registration and updates to registration only a few weeks before the June primary suggests that interest in the presidential race is still high among many Californians, meaning that turnout on June 7 could be higher than expected. What this means for the June 7 primary is not entirely clear, as it is unknown how these voters registered or changed their registration information. However, if these voters flood their local polling location in June and election officials are unprepared, the California primaries could play out 
like Arizona and New York, both of those places, especially Arizona, had lots of issues after cutting the number of polling places from in Maricopa County from in the neighborhood of 2000 down to I'm I'm remembering 400 or so but I'm not certain that that's the the right number but after cutting huge numbers of voting polling places they had lines 5 hours long in some places for people waiting to cast a vote it was in my opinion criminal so hopefully in california they will be well prepared with enough ballots another issue that some polling places have run into is they just run out of ballots and uh people had to cast their votes on pieces of paper or not cast votes at all so uh hopefully california is well prepared for the big increase in potential turnout for the vote tomorrow and this next piece is from the bernie sanders website at berniesanders.com senator sanders has been a longtime supporter of lgbt rights in 1983 during his first term as mayor of burlington senator sanders supported the city's first ever pride parade he later signed a city ordinance banning housing discrimination when he served in the House of Representatives, then-Congressman Sanders voted against Don't Ask, Don't Tell, a Clinton piece of legislation in 1993. Sorry, I added the Clinton piece of legislation part. It's not in the, the uh, written text from the Sanders site. And he voted against the so-called Defense of Marriage Act in 1996. Also a Clinton piece of legislation. Also, that is not in this story. Senator Sanders hailed the landmark Supreme Court decisions in 2013 and 2015, which struck down Defense of Marriage Act and recognized same-sex marriage is a right in all 50 states, calling the decisions a, quote, victory for same-sex couples across our country, as well as all those seeking to live in a nation where every citizen is afforded equal rights. The United States has made remarkable progress on gay rights in a relatively short amount of time, but there is still much work to be done. In many states, it is still legal to fire someone for being gay. It is legal to deny someone housing for being transgender. That is unacceptable and must change. We must end discrimination in all forms. Senator Sanders is currently co-sponsor of the Equality Act, which would expand the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and other anti-discrimination laws to include protections for sexual orientation and gender identity. He has consistently supported legislation that would guarantee LGBT Americans would be treated as equal citizens and has a lifetime perfect score from the Human Rights Campaign. As president, Senator Sanders will, one, sign into law the Equality Act, the Every Child Deserves a Family Act, and any other bill that prohibits discrimination against LGBT people. Two, work with HHS 
that's Health and Human Services, to ensure LGBT Americans have access to comprehensive health insurance, which provides appropriate coverage and do not have to fear discrimination or mistreatment from providers. Three, continue the great work of the State Department's Special Envoy for LGBT Rights and ensure the United States helps protect the rights of LGBT people around the world. Four, advance policies to ensure students can attend school without fear of bullying and work to reduce suicides. Five, require police departments to adopt policies to ensure fairer interactions with transgender people, especially transgender women of color who are often targeted by police unfairly, and institute training programs to promote compliance with fair policies. Six, bar discrimination against LGBT people by creditors and banks so that people will not be unfairly denied mortgages, credit cards, or student loans. And seven, veto any legislation that purports to, quote, protect religious liberty at the expense of others' rights. And Bernie Sanders has been very consistently on the right side on LGBT issues and on a whole host of other issues, including the death penalty. And he's not just an opponent of the death penalty when it is simple and easy to state your opposition, but when it's not so simple and easy when there's a lot of pressure from the other side, from the supporters of the death penalty over egregious violations of humanity uh, such as we saw from the perpetrator of the Charlotte church massacre in South Carolina. <clears throat> Senator Bernie Sanders opposes the Justice Department's decision to seek the death penalty in the case of the accused killer of nine parishioners at a church in South Carolina last year. And this story does name the perpetrator, and I am deliberately not doing so. Uh, apologies if I slip up as I continue to read from this article. And by the way, this article is from the Huffington Post. It is by Sam Stein. I find that... In too many of these horrendous mass shootings and attacks on humanity, the perpetrator becomes well-known. The perpetrator's name is shouted over and over from the rafters being... I guess, ostensibly made a uh, made an example of, but in doing so, bringing infamy to that individual. And I think that uh, we have that totally backwards. Our media doesn't get it in that regard. The perpetrators should not have their name glorified 
even if the media tries to portray that individual in a negative light. That infamy is compelling to some people. And I don't know, I was going to say some people that are psychotic, but I don't know enough of psychosis to make that blanket statement. But in any event, uh, we should be shouting the names of the victims and talking about who they were and what we lost as a country and as a people and as families and not about who this evil person was who did such a dastardly thing. I think there is much more for society to gain about covering and learning from what we lose in these kind of situations than in any kind of a demagoguery by the politician or the media or the pundit to cash in on your attention by talking about endlessly that perpetrator. But back to the story at hand, the Justice Department decided to seek the death penalty in this case, and Bernie Sanders opposed that decision. The Democratic presidential candidate has long been an opponent of capital punishment, arguing that it doesn't fit with America's moral values or deter crime. And though the circumstances of this case have prompted cries for severe punishment, Sanders' campaign reiterated his position in an email to the Huffington Post. Senator Sanders opposes the death penalty, Sanders spokesman Michael Briggs wrote. He believes those who are convicted of the most horrible crimes should be imprisoned for the rest of their lives without the possibility of parole. Attorney General Loretta Lynch announced on Tuesday that the Justice Department would seek the death penalty in this case, following a, quote, rigorous review process to thoroughly consider all relevant factual and legal issues. State authorities had earlier said that they would seek the death penalty for this perpetrator, who they allege was motivated by racial animus and carefully planned the massacre at the Emanuel AME Church. He is charged both with federal hate crimes and nine counts of murder and three counts of attempted murder. Several prominent Republican South Carolina officials praised Lynch's announcement. Less clear, however, was how Democrats would approach the debate. Considering the horrific nature of the incident and the national outrage it sparked, President Barack Obama, Obama has called capital punishment, quote, deeply troubling, but something he can rationalize. And the last part was not in quotes. Quote, there are certain crimes that are so beyond the pale that I understand society's need to express its outrage. 
he told the Marshall Project in 2015. Democratic presidential frontrunner Hillary Clinton likewise has said she supports the death penalty in, quote, certain egregious cases. Aides to Clinton did not respond to requests for comment on this particular case. And the next piece is from MondoWeiss.net, and it is by Wilson Dizard. Advocates for the rights of Palestinians will join Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders in the city of brotherly love this July for the Democratic National Convention. Part of his five selections for the 15-member executive committee drafting the Democrats' 2016 platform. Rewarding their work for progressive causes with access to the inner sanctum of the Democratic Party politics, Sanders helps amplify their voices like no other candidate has. It also helps stitch up a deep flaw in the Democratic Party platform. Blasting Donald Trump for Islamophobia while ignoring the plight of the Palestinians who suffer under an occupation whose sole purpose is to segregate people by religion. It also brings Muslims deep into the process at a time when Republicans have turned their faith into a pinata they can bash and the crowd roars. American Muslims can only defend themselves if they have a say in government. Online, some Trump fans, most anonymous, say that charitable things about Hitler's Holocaust of Jews. They get bolder by the day. Three of the five selected have expressed skepticism about Israel. According to the Washington Post, they are James Zogby, the head of the Arab American Institute. Cornel West, a social justice activist and author critical of Israel, and Minnesota Representative Keith Ellison, one of only two Muslims in Congress. Ellison stuck his neck out for Palestinians by calling for the end to Israel's blockade of Gaza. He didn't go so far, he didn't go as far as saying Israel's policy on Gaza was, quote, disproportionate force. Sanders said the word in an April debate. Now it's not so hard for other younger politicians. Ellison is the only elected official on Sanders' side. And this piece goes on if you want to read more about uh, the people that Bernie Sanders put forth to be on the Democratic Democratic Platform Committee at the convention. Uh, take a look on mondoweiss.net, M-O-N-D-O-W-E-I-S-S dot net for Sanders appoints Palestinian advocates to committee drafting Democrats 2016 platform. And this is an email from Bernie Sanders that uh, he put out late in May. No president, not Bernie Sanders, not the greatest president you could possibly imagine. Hey, maybe they're one and the same. Can take on the billionaire class alone. And that's because change never happens from the top down. It always occurs from the bottom up. That's why today I'm announcing my support for eight progressive state legislative candidates who embody the spirit 
of our political revolution. Today, they are state representatives running for re-election or challenging to win their first race. Tomorrow, they'll be progressives running for Congress and maybe even the presidency. And in 2020, they'll help determine how congressional districts are drawn for the remainder of the next decade, a key to Democrats taking back and holding the House of Representatives for the decade to come. It's up to us to transform the future of the Democratic Party, and that's why I am proud to ask. And he asked for a contribution to be divided between his campaign and the campaigns of the following uh, candidates. Justin Bamberg is a state representative from South Carolina who was an early endorser of Hillary Clinton's campaign, but switched his endorsement before the primary because of Bernie's work for racial, social, and economic justice. David Bowen is a son of Jamaican immigrants who is running for his second term in the Wisconsin State Legislature. Clara Hart is a refugee from Mozambique whose family fled from violence when she was just eight years old. Now she's running for the South Dakota House, where she hopes to continue her work for immigrant families. Terry Alexander is a representative in the South Carolina legislature who supports raising the minimum wage, expanding health care, and protecting the right to vote. Carol Ammons became the first African-American woman to win election in her district of the Illinois State Legislature, scoring an upset election victory against a well-funded establishment opponent. Chris Pearson is running for the Vermont State Senate after spending four terms in the Vermont House of Representatives. He is a champion on the issues of livable wages, strong labor union advocacy, climate change, and voting rights. Jane Kim is the first Korean-American to win election in San Francisco, and she is running to become a California state senator. Joe Salazar is a representative to Colorado's State House who is a tireless advocate for stopping fracking, protecting civil rights, and advancing criminal justice reform. These are just some of the candidates that Bernie Sanders has come out in support of recently. There are several others that he has sent out messages about to his supporters uh, to gain name recognition, to gain funding, to really help the campaigns down ticket, as they say, to uh, get some traction and elect more progressives. And finally, from NBCPhiladelphia.com, as you probably know, after the primary tomorrow and the final one in Washington, D.C. coming up in a week, uh, the voting is over for the, the population, for the people, for all of us, not, and I'm not trying to say that superdelegates aren't people, but I think that the superdelegate process is a, a travesty. Those individuals shouldn't have a stronger say in who gets nominated 
than the people have. Why should, why should their one vote count for 10,000 of our votes? Why should they be able to, in a state that votes 80% for a particular candidate, and we had states on both sides, there were some states that voted 80% for Bernie Sanders, and there were some states that voted 80% for Hillary Clinton, why should the superdelegates in those states have a single vote that is worth an enormous proportion of the total votes in their state? You know, if, if, the, if the, that state that went 80% for Bernie Sanders and 8 out of 10 or even 5 out of 10 of those superdelegates vote for Hillary Clinton, then they're, they have way more power than they should have. Uh, so in any event, um, they will be the only ones left to vote. Well, not, that's not exactly true. We didn't vote for the candidates in most cases. We elected delegates to go to the Democratic Convention in Philadelphia to cast votes for those candidates. So we really need direct elections is what we need. We, none of this crap where we elect somebody to go cast a vote for us. That's absurd. It's ridiculous. And uh, the Electoral College is even worse. Um, anyway, those pledged delegates in most cases uh, do need to cast their vote the way that they agreed to in running for those positions. So for the most part, those pledged delegates will come down the way they are aligned right now. There may be a little bit of leeway in some places, which allows those pledged delegates to vote in a different manner. But then the superdelegates will vote. Anyway, enough about that BS. Uh, the Democratic Convention, which is as it has been for a long time now, a big money farce. It's a big money party where the rich people and the lobbyists come together and hang out and a few citizens get to join in who got elected as delegates and get to cast a vote for the candidate of choice, which is about the only good thing that comes out of the uh, that comes out of the convention. In any case, the Democratic convention is coming up in Philadelphia, and this piece is by Brian McCrone and Andrea Klein Thomas. Four pro-Bernie Sanders rallies with estimated attendance of 38,000 activists have been approved for public demonstrations during the Democratic National Convention in July, the city said Thursday. The four rallies given permits Wednesday night bring the total to five for approved rallies and marches during what is expected to be a bustling week of political activity in Center City and South Philadelphia. The convention officially runs July 25 to 28, but two of the five approved rallies and marches 
of more than 7,000 activists will be held July 24, the day more than 4,000 delegates arrive from across the country. NBC 10 first reported Wednesday that an anti-fracking clean energy group called Food and Water Watch, which was the first to receive a city permit for public demonstration. A group organizer said that more than 5,000 activists are expected July 24 at a march from City Hall to Independence Mall. For the largest of the four pro-Sanders rallies approved, more than 30,000 people are expected to attend week-long demonstrations called March for Bernie at DNC, which will be held at FDR Park in South Philadelphia. It's within earshot of where conventioneers will gather at the Wells Fargo Center to nominate their party's presidential nominee. That's just disgusting. The Wells Fargo Center. I mean, I guess all, all the stadiums these days have a big giant corporate sponsor. Uh, and it points to the problem. You know, uh, it's money talks and sponsorship doesn't end at the venue of the, uh, of the party event. It goes right into the event itself. Huge sponsors. You can spend $100,000. You can sponsor and be a, a uh, I think that's a gold level sponsor. Now, maybe that's a platinum level sponsor of the DNC. And you get all these great perks. And, you know, you know, who's doing that is big corporations and lobbyists. Or you can be a $50,000 gold sponsor. You can get a $25,000 uh, silver sponsorship. Or you can be a lowly $10,000 bronze sponsor of the Democratic Convention. It's disgusting. Anyway, it's great to see four out of five rallies with permits uh, at the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia uh, for Bernie Sanders. And I heard today a story on the news of a group that got denied a permit for a rally. And they're going to have it anyway. And I don't remember exactly who was sponsoring that, but it was a progressive group or progressive coalition that is going to tell the Democrats basically to stop being assholes and stop taking all this money and stop kowtowing to the moneyed interests and start to work for the people. Like maybe they did at some point in their history. Uh, the rally has been approved for five straight days starting July 24 and ending July 28. The permit from the city also allows activists to gather each day from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. The, quote, public assemblage, as the city technically describes demonstrations, could evolve from rally into protest, depending on what happens during delegate voting inside the convention. Unlike the Food and Water Watch rally, which has a sponsoring organization identified by the city, three of the four pro-Sanders demonstrations have no group named, including the FDR Park demonstration. Their permits were submitted by individuals, and the city would not identify them. A group called Black Men for Bernie has been approved to hold a We the People restoration rally at Thomas Paine Plaza across from City Hall on July 27 and 28. 
The purpose for the rally is to address economic inequality, human rights, poverty, criminal justice reform, and lack of ownership. So I think that the excitement at the Democratic National Convention is not going to be inside that convention hall. I think uh, the excitement and the real democracy is going to be happening outside on the street and uh would be nice if i get the chance to go and check it out and it would be great if you do as well and that will wrap up this episode of bernie 2016 if you want to reach out to me you can send me a message at bernie us 2016 at gmail.com or you can follow me on twitter at bernie us 2016 you can find out more and check out the back episodes at Bernie-2016.com. And if you are in one of the Dakotas or New Jersey or California or, sorry, again, that state or states that I don't remember also are going to vote tomorrow, get out and vote. Don't sit back. Don't let anybody else tell you that things are over. This isn't the end of the Bernie Sanders campaign. This is the beginning of the political revolution. This is the beginning of a whole lot of people who have been on the sidelines for too long to uh, getting up off those sidelines and taking some action and trying to make this country a better place. So don't forget to get out there and do your part. And as we head out tonight, we will hear Bernie Sanders hip hop song by Indie Urban, which you can find on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Straight out of a mind, but always one with the people. Let them say what they want. Cause 51 years cannot be a front, cannot be a fake. So when they throw stones, they just throw in the hate. You voted no to the Patriot Act, while simultaneously voting no to go to Iraq. His first option is not to attack, it's to talk about the issues and that's something we lack. I want a leader who has vision for the future Cause there's never been a time more crucial I want a president that sees my children's futures Cause there's never been a time more crucial Don't talk about it, be about it Cause that's the only way we're gonna raise up out it Stand up against these crooked corporations Vote Bernie Sanders so we can save the nation The future's here and the time is now So let your voice be heard in your cities and towns Just here in the time is now, so let your voice be heard in your cities and towns. The new age revolution is about to go down, so get out and vote in your cities and towns. Let the 
puede ser presidente sin el voto latino Mucho menos si nos llaman violadores y asesinos Mi respeto para Hillary por querer ser La primer mujer presidente Pero no ofrece nada diferente Realmente la única opción para mi gente Es Bernie Sanders con su ideología independiente Demócrata socialista que pelea contra corporaciones Y políticos con malas intenciones Contra bancos corruptos que se aprovechan de la clase media Y el 1% que se queda con la feria Es el único que reconoce al emigrante Y reitera que esta nación fue creada por emigrantes El que pide reformas políticas de salud, de educación Y acepta sus críticas Somos la mayoría, no más la misma The future's here and the time is now So let your voice be heard in the cities and towns There's a noise revolution is about to go down So get out and vote in the cities and towns The future's here and the time is now So let your voice be heard in the cities and towns There's a noise revolution is about to go down So get out and vote What the political revolution is about is bringing people together to finally say enough is enough. This government belongs to us, not just the billionaires. Money and wealth should serve the people. The people should not have to serve money and wealth. If we stand together, there is nothing, nothing, nothing we cannot accomplish.